Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Olaomi Brigway, as you probably know by now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of today's episode, which is episode 149. Now, before I go into what I'm going to be talking about today, I have a quick announcement to make. One of the principles that I live my life by, and again... (laughs) If you're a regular listener, this is something you hear a lot. I have like a set of guiding principles that I, with the help of God, live my life by. And one of them is actually what Stephen Covey talks about in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is to sharpen the soul. I believe so much in it and I've seen it yield so much results and prosperity as well as peace in my life. So the sharpening of the soul is essentially when the Bible says that if your axe is dull, then you require more strength in order to get something done. That's where he got that from. And sharpening the soul is basically rest, rejuvenation, recreation, etc., allowing your creative juices to be renewed so that you can then work at a smarter and a more effective rate. And a lot of times for me, that means taking retreats, which I do fairly regularly. Once every quarter, I do that just go away somewhere away from my family and it's just me and it's just God (laughs) and I just hang out and just rest pray relax just hang out and sharpen my vision for the coming whether it's a coming quarter or the coming year or just tune my ears in into what God is saying at a higher level and etc etc so that's something that I practice very regularly and I do not joke with it So how does that relate to the podcast? Well, it's quite simple. We have recorded, I mean, this is the third year of the podcast. We're probably heading towards three and a half years now that this podcast has been running. And literally we have published something except for maybe one or two weeks. We have published 
every week <laughs> for three and a half years almost. We're coming up to 150 episodes, so today is 149. And I just feel like it's time to t- take a little bit of a break. It's not a forever break. Take a little bit of a break to sharpen the saw. And that means, I mean, even if you're going to be talking about something for 150 episodes, surely you know that sometimes it's hard to come up with topics. If you do a podcast or if you do something where you, maybe you write a blog or you do something like creative work that requires you to do it consistently at a fairly good frequency, then you probably would know that every week in, week out, coming up with relevant topics that you know definitely would help people is not always a walk in the park. So it's time for me as a host of this podcast to just take a little bit of a break and go away and just basically tune in at a higher frequency to what people need to hear via this podcast. The center of what I teach on this podcast is found in Romans 12 too, which is mindset transformation, because that is the only way the Bible teaches us that you can transform your life. It says you should renew your mind, then your life will be transformed. So I just need to reevaluate, reassess, and make sure that everything that we're doing is still centered on that, or in the midst of actually doing that exploration, there might be a new direction that the Holy Spirit might tell me to go in. So I just need to be quiet enough to be able to listen in without the pressure of thinking, oh, we need to batch the next four or five episodes, etc., etc., because that in itself can become a hindrance to you getting clear direction from the next level. So we're going, to, you're going to get episode one for now, which is this episode, and we're also going to release episode 150 to make it a nice round number because I like symmetry. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to take an extended break from releasing new episodes. Now we quite haven't decided yet if we're going to republish old episodes as we sometimes do in our spotlights or we're just going to leave it for a bit of time with nothing published so i'd love to hear from you actually so if you're listening to me regularly listen on this podcast and you think it would be beneficial for you to receive some kind of a spotlight every week then i definitely would love to hear from you because that's quite easy for us to do and it doesn't it's not going to interrupt with what i want to do or want to use the break for so write to me contact at allowmebrigway.com or allow me Brigway on Instagram and let me know what you think. If I don't get enough responses or if nobody contacts me, then of course I'm going to assume that silence is what you two need. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into today's episode and I've titled this one, <laughs> Chief Encouragement Officer, Why You Should Stop Beating Yourself Up and how to become your biggest cheerleader. If there's one topic that I'm very passionate about, it is this one. And you probably would have heard me say this on the podcast before, that I had to learn to become my own cheerleader. I had to learn not to constantly put myself down, not to be my own harshest critic, because that is actually my physical or natural makeup. My natural makeup is, okay, things have to be a certain way, things have to be right. And if you're that kind of person where you're wired to always improve things, to always improve your life, to always improve the people around you, and you have a visionary where you're always looking at how things can be better, you can fall into the trap where by habit, 
without knowing that you're doing it by habit, you can get to the point where you're harshly criticizing yourself and harshly criticizing the people that are in your life. And if you see anyone, right, this is a, it's a law. If you see anyone that is a harsh critic of the people in their lives, they will have, first of all, doing it to themselves. So it's not like, eh, this person, you know, is treating themselves nice, but is treating their wife or, or their children really badly and being harsh with them. No, they're doing it to themselves first in their thoughts. If you could literally take a microscope and go into their thoughts and their kind of thinking patterns, because you can't give what you don't have. So if you're a harsh critic of yourself, that's what you're going to dole out. If you don't have any pleasure in who you are as a person, if your level of acceptance and confidence in yourself is really low, guess what? You're, how you're going to treat the people in your life. You're going to put them down. You're going to push them down. You're going to literally do everything to sabotage their esteem and their confidence. So I, you know, this was brought to my attention like years ago. And since then I've been very deliberately and intentionally, I still have those natural tendencies and I still catch myself sometimes doing that. I mean, being a harsh critic of myself and of the people in my life, but because I'm aware of it and because I have done so much work on myself over the years, it has become more and um, more and more of a habit for me to be an encourager. In fact, on my vision board, something that I transfer year to year to year, it does not leave my vision board is that I am chief encouragement officer that when people describe me, they will say she's encouraging. She will always encourage you to go for it. She will always push you up rather than push you down. So it's something that I'm very aware of. And I put in front of myself as a character trait that I must continue to develop all the days of my life. So it brings me great pleasure to come and share this episode with you today because it's something that has radically affected and transformed my own life. You must become your chief encouragement officer. You must stop being your own harshest critic, right? So I want to start off and read something to you in the Bible in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. And I'm reading the King James Version because it's actually, I believe, the King James Version, only the King James Version that uses this exact word. And that's usually I would read NLT. But th this is talking about David. So David had just experienced this major crisis in his life. And the Bible says, and David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters to give a bit of background. This was when literally the Amalekites came. They invaded Ziklag, burnt the whole place down, carried everybody off as slaves and carried off all their goods, etc. David and his men came back to the village or the town and everybody was gone and everything else was destroyed. So they didn't even know if their, if their wives and sons and family, if they were alive. So the assumption was that they must have killed most of these people, right? So they were, it says that Saul was grieved and <laughs> because David was a leader, they were trying to vent all their anger <laughs> and channel it at David. Like it's, you are the scapegoat we're going to use. It's like <laughs> you are the scapegoat, David. We're going to vent on you and we're going to take a pound of flesh from you. But look at what the Bible says. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself 
in the Lord his God. And we quote the scripture if you're a Christian and you go to church, you interact with the Bible, you will know that this scripture is quite popular. David encouraged himself in the Lord. David built up himself in the Lord, etc., etc. And then I started to think about it. Now, what does that actually mean? You know how we can take cliches and spread it around and I may even in counseling something that is going through a difficult situation, pull out the scripture, read it to them and say, you too, like David now, go and encourage yourself in the Lord. And the person will be like, yes, you're right. You're right. I'll go and encourage myself in the Lord. And they leave that conversation, not knowing anything about what it means to encourage yourself in the Lord or how to do it. And that is why God put people like me <laughs> here on this earth, teachers that will help you break things down and say step by step by step, this is what it means. This is what you ought to do. When you do these things, you will, you, no matter what your starting point is, you will always arrive at the desired outcome. Okay. Okay. So what did the Bible mean about David encouraging himself in law? So that's what I'm going to literally be breaking down to you today. By the end of today's episode, you will know what it means to become your own biggest cheerleader because becoming your own biggest cheerleader does not mean as some people do ignoring your own faults and talking yourself up big. Like you basically overestimate yourself. That's pride though. That's ego. That's not becoming your own cheerleader. It is not like walking into a room and demean, trying to demean everybody else and saying, I'm the best person here. Nobody can step up to me kind of thing. No, that's not what me I'm, t- <laughs> that's not what me I'm talking about. Okay. That's not being your cheerleader. That's basically just being egotistic. No, that's just being egotistic. But let's start with what the title actually says is why you should stop beating yourself up or why you should become your own biggest cheerleader. Let me start with why you should stop beating yourself up. Now, there's something that I say when I explain this to people. One of the most permanent laws, I mean, a law is something that you can't change. If it's a law, it means it will always work. But I put, I add permanent on top of that just to show you, you know, how important this thing is that you can't really override it unless you have really specific skills and, and tools. And that is a law of gravity. It's the law of gravity. The law of gravity tells you that no matter what it is, anything that has any kind of weight, if it is on any kind of height, the, the nature of this world will pull it down. That is the nature of this world, no matter what it is. So even, haven't you noticed that sometimes you wake up in the morning, nothing is wrong. Oh. There's nothing wrong. You went to bed and you may even have been fairly happy as nothing happened the day before. There's no maybe big deadline looming that made you afraid in the night or something like that. Nothing is wrong. Your life is okay. But you wake up and you just feel sad. I just feel like, I just don't know. It's because the direction of this world as normal, if you do nothing, is to pull down. It literally is to pull down. So that is why if you have somebody in your life that tends to pull you up, maybe not all the time, but let's say at least even 70% of the time that words are encouraging to you, do not do that relationship anyhow. That is not the kind of person that you treat anyhow and disrespect and talk to them anyhow. And if they are calling you, you ignore their calls. No, 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 no. You have to treasure those kind of people. 
You have to treasure them because everybody else in your life, more often than not, their thoughts, their words and actions are geared towards pulling you down. Not because they are being wicked. It's just the way this world actually has come to be. That's the way it has come to be. It's a falling world, remember? So in order to override this thing called gravity, it's not that it's impossible to do. It is possible to override it, but the point is it must be overridden for you to break free from that law. And the only way to break out of that gravitational pull that will pull you down is to what is to lift is to leave the law of lift. And this is why we have airplanes today, etc. So it's a law of lift. So you must engage systematically engage and deploy the law of lift in order for anything to pull away from the gravitational pull and be able to soar. In other words, in other words, if you're already on the way down, so let's say you make a mistake or you did, it was not a mistake. You willfully did something wrong or whatever it is, or somebody in your life makes a mistake or did something wrong because of that. There's gravity already, isn't it? They're already being pulled down. They already feel bad about themselves or you already feel bad about yourselves. They're already afraid of the consequence. They're already thinking, why should I have done that? They're already judging themselves. So the full of gravity is already in effect. Now logic will say, tell them more. Tell them again why what they've done is wrong. Do you know that basically what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I'm going to even help gravity and push this <laughs> and push this person down more so that they'll go down faster. That's what you're doing. You think logic is telling you and you think or you believe that if I tell them and keep pointing out that mistake, either to yourself or to the person, you're actually helping them rise. No, you're not helping them rise. The only thing you're doing is adding weight. And when you, the more weight you add to something, the faster the person will go down or the thing will go down. But the way you would actually counteract that gravitational pull is to deploy the law of lift, which is to begin to speak off something that is in the person's future to begin to say, yes, it was a mistake, but do you know what? Now you've learned from it. This was an opportunity for you to learn next time you will do better. Next time is going to be whatever it is. So if you think, and to be honest with you, most of us, like 90%, if not 95% of people have been conditioned to add weight to somebody that is already sinking. That is how we have been programmed in the guise of, I'm just trying to teach them not to do it again the next time. No, all you are doing is facilitating. They're doing it again the next time, including yourself. Do you see? So that is obviously why you should stop beating yourself. I did an episode. I mean, I'm not going to say too much about that. I've done episodes about self-talk. I've done episodes around that. So you may want to go back, jump on those episodes because I go really in depth on those. And of course, there are four reasons why you should become your own biggest cheerleader and not rely on other people to do it for you. Yes, it's wonderful when there are people in your life that would encourage you. You need that because nobody can really sustain that sense of, okay, I keep rising. I keep encouraging myself in a vacuum. If everybody around you keeps pushing you down after a while, you will cave. So why do you need to become your own biggest cheerleader? Number one is nobody there's no human being that can be there for you all the time no matter who you are even jesus even jesus oh that 
in fact, if you want to be there for somebody and stick to somebody forever, is it not Jesus you stick to? Like the guy was Messiah, guaranteed enjoyment, right? For the whole of eternity. We not <laughs> we don't stick with somebody like that. If somebody comes and they say, Oh, I'm a billionaire, I'm going to take care of you if you stick with me whatever you need for the rest of your life even if everybody's abusing you be like leave me oh leave me oh leave me oh <laughs> i'm sticking with this person so i mean somebody that was promising them eternal life and you be to me in, in paradise with me in my kingdom and many mansions and salvation and all those things even jesus when the going was tough they abandoned him they didn't stay his disciples i mean and everybody else pretty much so nobody can be there for you all the time and he, this is even more important to have such an expectation of a person is manipulative and can be destructive did you hear that to expect that your husband or your wife or your sister or your mother or this best friend that you have or whoever to expect that they will be there for you all the time being at the front like cheering you on all the time supporting everything you do all the time is manipulative and if you keep pulling on them if you keep making such unreasonable demand of that person it can be destructive so let me move on quickly the second reason why you must become your own biggest cheerleader is sometimes the people that love you that want to be your cheerleader and have shown up in the past as your cheerleader will get it wrong and they will not support you for something you actually meant to go forward with why are they being wicked no they simply don't see it they are judging based on the circumstances around a very good example of this is john the baptist John the Baptist that had endorsed Jesus, he said, the person that I see the bird, <laughs> the dove, right, ascending upon, and that is the person. And he was like, Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I am not even worthy to tie this person's shoes, etc., 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 all that stuff. And he meant it. But when circumstances changed, and he was expecting Jesus to show up a certain way. And Jesus did not show up that way. He began to question. He began to say, I, are you, <laughs> uncle, please come. I have a question to ask you. Are you the one that is supposed to come? Or should we not waste our time again and go and start looking for another? So if you are completely dependent on other people being your cheerleader they will i guarantee you not they might there will there will be seasons in your life where even the people that love you the most because they can't see what you see they can't stand on the sidelines and be cheering you on in fact they will try and they'll try and push you away from that thing why because they love you and they're afraid they don't want you to fail they try and say no ah eh, the risk is don't go and try something else the third reason is this. The Bible teaches us that the riches of Christ are in you, all right? The Bible says that in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, all of the wisdom. Christ is the wisdom. Christ is the power of God, and he dwells inside you. Now, what that simply means is it says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has prepared for you, but it is the Holy Spirit that will reveal those things that are of Christ that have been assigned to you. 
In other words, there's a purpose that was fashioned, a blueprint for your life that was created for you. And inside you are those riches. So if you're always looking to other people to sort of help you and sort of be there for you, then you will not mature as a person and as a Christian. You have to get to the point where you understand that, listen, first of all, the first person I'm going to turn to is Christ inside me. I'm going to dig deep into Christ who is in me and pull out the inheritance that is inside me. And yes, people can help and support, but the riches of Christ, they are in me. They're not in my environment. So whatever breakthrough or answer that I need, I will ultimately need to learn how to pull it out of myself. That's the third reason. And the final reason is it is crippling. It is crippling. So let's say by some miracle, there's somebody in your life or a group of people that have taken on the responsibility of being there for you all the time. Okay. Remember the first one I said, it's not possible, but let's even say, <laughs> let's even say by some stroke of genius or stroke of luck, somebody is there for you hundred percent of the time you you must not even take that opportunity because you will become a cripple it is crippling to keep relying on external sources for the things that you want in life for prop ups help yes crutch no nobody should be your crutch in life isn't that why we teach our children to become independent there's a moment or there's a season in their lives where when they are born they are 100 dependent on us then after a while you start to teach them you start to train them that you depend on people for help as and when so when your own strength is a little bit depleted or you don't even need to wait until your strength is depleted you invite other people in, and that's why god created the idea of networks you invite people in your networks and to help you carry it so that you are not your strength is not completely depleted so that is them helping you as opposed to you carrying the whole burden and laying it at their feet and say is your problem carry it that basically cripples it cripples and in my job as a coach I come across people that when they show up and this usually happens for people that maybe randomly write me or whatever that I may not know personally and they'll write and say, Oh, this is what is going on. So what's going on. And they'll literally talk, Oh, I, you know, all sorts of horrible things that they're going through. And of course my heart to go out to them and in my process of engaging to sort of say, okay, let's see what can we put in place, etc., etc. They disappear. You will never hear from them again. Do you know why? They just want somebody to snap their fingers, take the burden away, while they never have to do anything. And that is why they continue to be in that situation. Why? Because they feel like they feel they're crippled. They don't understand that they're not actually powerless that they have the power to change their own situations. And the more they lay it at someone else's feet, the more crippled they become. Okay. So those are four reasons why you have to learn to become your own biggest cheerleader and not necessarily depend on other people. So next I'm going to talk about how to actually do it, right? It is not a super abundant life podcast episode if there's no how, isn't it? <laughs> so I was thinking about this while I was researching and preparing for this episode and I thought cheerleader actually like the idea. I mean, cheerleading is not something that is, in fact, I've never seen it in the UK. I was going to say it's not popular, but I don't think I've ever seen it. But definitely in the United States, there's no game at whatever level 
or any sports that you watch, especially American sports like the baseball and American football, etc. At whatever level, even even kindergarten, that you don't see cheerleaders. So it's a huge thing over there. So I began to think about it that the way these people literally, if the game is two hours, for two hours they don't keep quiet. For two hours they don't just sit down. If the team is losing, they don't go oh. Okay, the fans can do that. The fans may be shouting out insults or whatever. The cheerleaders always have this huge smile and they always are full of energy no matter what is happening in this game and no matter how long the game is. So I thought, okay, since the Americans are like the gurus when it comes to cheerleading, I started researching and I said, what exactly do cheerleaders do in American sports? And I found something from, they even have a national federation. This is how big this thing is. So it says the National Federation of State High School Associations. And they basically categorized that, okay, these are the things that cheerleaders are recognized to do. And they stated them one by one. So what I did was I read it, I sort of digested it. And I said, okay, if somebody says, I want to become my own biggest cheerleader for my own life. And once you have mastered, this is the beauty of this thing. Once you have mastered it for yourself, do it for yourself first. Okay. I explained this in the start. Once you have mastered it for yourself, you can then begin to apply it and do the same thing for the people that you love. Or the people that God brings into your life to help. So I read out what it is that they do. And then I'll help you bring it into your own space. And interpret what that means. So that you can begin to do the same as well. Are we ready? So here's the first one. As it says on that website. So cheerleaders are crowd leaders. So cheerleaders connect with fans by rallying the team to play better. And unifying the crowd. The squad also preserves the school's traditions and alumni interests with familiar songs, chants, and tears. And I'm sure this is probably the most popular thing you know about cheerleaders. They have all these songs, they keep chanting, etc., etc., all these movements they do. And the idea is to make sure that the fans are united in standing behind the team, you know, that to provide them with the boost or the morale to get them to win, isn't it? Now, like I said, I want to bring this into your own space that you can apply. So it says they actually rallied the team and they unified the crowd. Now, within you there's so many things that are going on your thoughts science tells us that we think thousands of thoughts is it i don't even i don't remember exactly what the data is now is it per day or even per minute or something like that it's like thousands of thoughts are going through your mind you're thinking this you're thinking that you have systems you have beliefs inside you now your own role in order to become your own biggest cheerleader as a crowd leader is to conduct now listen carefully to this you have to learn and train yourself to conduct the orchestra of your inner dialogue. To construct the orchestra of your inner dialogue. What do I mean by that? The thoughts that you're thinking, what you're observing through your gates and what, you're, what are your gates, your eye gates, what you're seeing with your eyes, your ear gates, what you're hearing with your ears, what you're saying about yourself, what you're thinking in your mind, what you're feeling. All of these things are going on within you 
consistently all the time now it is like different music instruments that are playing at the same time if there's no conductor of the orchestra then it means that number one everything will be a jumbled mess or if somebody randomly just stands up and starts directing their affairs, it means that they could end up singing or playing a song that is not on the agenda. So if you have a goal, if you have something that you want to achieve, even if it's to start with peace of mind, you can't just allow yourself to dance to the tune of your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, what you're saying about yourself, you have to take responsibility and conduct that orchestra. The same with the cheerleaders who stand there and if the crowd were getting it to be antsy because the team was losing, they will start to you know sing songs and make chants that will get them back on board and remind them of this is why we're here. We're here to cheer these guys to victory. You're not here to come and sabotage them by complaining when they're not doing well. Do you see what I mean? So you have to take that responsibility. And these are things I'm going to, you know, allude to this a lot and, and even outrightly state this. Like starting your morning in prayer, in meditation, all of these things are your attempt to conduct the orchestra of your own life, of your own inner dialogue, of your thoughts, your words, your emotions, your self-talk, your perceptions. So you are sort of shaping and saying, no, this is the direction that we're going in. Instead of, you know you what you want to achieve, but you never deliberately direct the thoughts and the words, etc. You go out, the first meeting you have at nine o'clock, everybody's telling you that this project is going to fail, etc., etc., and you, you plummet into depression. Why? Because when you woke up that morning, you didn't set the direction that's that's exactly what's happened the bible says that the man that is tossed to and fro by the wind will never receive anything from the lord meaning no matter what your prayer if you're pray 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 i pray 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 however you don't know how to conduct your own inner dialogue to stay resolute and say this is what god said or this is what i want to achieve i'm going to stick with it and keep yourself in that inner state of possibility then that dream is always going to be impossible to you. All right? So you conduct the orchestra of your inner dialogue rather than dance the tune of your thoughts, your emotions, and the negative feelings and everything else that wants to distract you from what you want to achieve. Then secondly, still staying on the same point, notice that how the cheerleaders do it is through what? Songs and chants. Songs, chants, and cheers. And I want to stick with one, which is very important, which is the chance. So they would have specific kind of things that they will be saying over and over again. Isn't that what we talk about in Christianity, which is confession. The Bible says that hold fast to the profession of your faith. The profession of your faith is the confession of your faith, meaning speaking the same thing over and over and over and over again. That verse goes on to say, for his faithful who promised. So the problem is not with the person who promised you. The problem is if you stop saying what he said, then the manifestation will not happen. It's a law. So cheerleaders will see that, ah, okay, we're doing well. They are chanting. We are losing. They are chanting. Why? Because they want to set, they want to anchor. They want to anchor the emotions of the team on the fact that today we're walking away with victory. So what do I mean by chance? You must have statements that you repeat to yourself daily. You must have a bank of statements, scriptural declarations, or even statements that affirm you 
that you are reading aloud to yourself every day without fail. Without these things are so important. So you can see now that when I'm talking about Chelly, that is not giving yourself some random pat on the back. Just say, Oh, you are doing well. You're doing no, what does that even mean? Do you see what I mean? So it's a very systematic thing that you need to do in order to achieve that. So let's go on to the second one. It says that cheerleaders are spirit raisers. This is so cool. Listen, I'm going to read out what they said on that website. So cheerleaders share school pride throughout the year through how? Pep rallies, through signs, through events. When the home team scores, cheerleaders get the fans on their feet. When the morale is low, they keep the energy high in the stands with stunts, pyramids, and formations. If a referee makes a questionable call, the squad stays positive with encouraging cheers and chants. Most of all, they set an example of respect for the game, for the players, and the fans supporting the other team. Now, how does that relate to you? How does that relate to you? The summary of that is they always celebrate the wins no matter how small. It says if the team scores a point, a point in the grand scheme of the whole game is probably nothing. So let's say basketball, for example, where sometimes it's like 100 and something against 100 and something in a single game. One point was one point in the scheme of that, right? It's not a lot. But they get everybody on their feet and everybody's cheering. So they always celebrate the wins or they appreciate. They are able to acknowledge, observe, and appreciate what God is doing in their lives. No matter how small the mercy of God in their lives, the things that are going right in their lives, this in itself is a game changer. It's a game changer. Practicing gratitude. So they celebrate the wins no matter how small. Again, I'll refer you back to an episode I did and I, I think I called it how the practice or the habit of gratitude changed my life or something like that. This is something that I practice every day. It is now a habit for me. I don't wait until something big happens and I say, oh God, I'm so thankful. No, I go back. I have a set of things. You know, remember I says that they chair every point and they also have things that they keep doing that they go back to. So I have a list of things. It's called my book of remembrance that I go to every single day and I give God thanks. Even if for some reason I don't pray that day, I have a consciousness I'm always going back. I'm always anchoring my today and my tomorrow in my yesterday. So it is very difficult for me to forget how far I've come because I'm always, I have an anchor point in yesterday. I remember that, ah, see where I started from. Do you see? And because I know where I started from, where God brought me from, it's very difficult for me to look at my tomorrow and say, that's not possible. Momentarily, something may hit me that will say that that's not possible. But because I'm anchored in the past and I see that, ah, see where God has brought me from, those feelings do not last. So like they tell you that you must be able to do that. Celebrate every document them. That's why they say keep a, a gratitude journal at the end of the night, at the end of the day, rather, write down a few things that you appreciated that day, that you have an appreciation for. It may not be, oh, the project we concluded on this project we've been working on for, for 18 months and it was a huge success. That's a big one. 
right? You're not going to have such things to write about every day. It could be literally my three-month-old baby, or I don't know how when babies smile, but let's say my, my four-week-old baby smiled for the first time. That was so precious. Or somebody you, you had been sort of having difficulties with at work. F today, for the first time, you guys just sat down and had a proper conversation and cleared the air. That's something. So when you begin to appreciate that, it creates this sense of gratitude, of peace inside you. That is how you can become your own greatest cheerleader. It's showing you that, listen, you are the kind of person that is able to, for example, resolve difficult conversations. Okay. And of course, the, mo the other important thing before I move on as part of spirit raisers is when it says that, let me go by, it says when morale is low, they keep the energy high in the stands with stunts, with pyramids, with formations. If you've seen cheerleaders in action, you know what I'm talking about. They, they as in like 10 different people can literally be climbing on top of each other like a pyramid and one person is, you know, doing somersault on top of, I'm like, oh my goodness. So they put a lot of energy into that. They don't just say, ah, morale is low. So what do we do? Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that they have a system in place that they have instituted to bring morale back up when it is low. Do you know why a lot of us get stuck in like anxiety, fear, even depression? Because you have not yet cultivated a system of getting yourself back up when you fall down. Most people don't, they're not equipped with those kind of tools. They just are not equipped with such tools. Something happens to them that they were not expecting and they feel it's a negative thing. They can go into depression for a month. Why? Because they don't have, like David, no, they, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David had the tools. He knew how to do it. How to get himself back up into that place of peace and of joy within moments. So you must have, like the cheerleaders, a clearly designed plan to pick yourself back up when morale is low. Now, I could tell you that do this, do this, do this, but everybody has their own. For some people, it is just literally shutting their bedroom door and playing worship for 15 minutes. And by the time they come out of that place of worship, the whole thing has been reset. The peace is restored. The joy is restored. For someone, it is literally sitting and taking the word of God, the promises of God to them regarding that situation and just reading on it and meditating on it again. And this is what I do. This is what gets me very, very quickly out of that place of if something hits me and I feel sad or whatever it is. Just, re just reminding myself that this God cannot lie. Do you see? For somebody, it is getting together with somebody else that is of like mind or of like faith. Iron sharpens iron and they engage with this friend. And by the time they come out of that conversation or they go for tea together, by the time they come out, the person's words would have reset them. You need to find your own. It doesn't matter what it is. But the point is, you must have a clearly designed plan because life will hit you, right? Life will catapult stones at you. <laughs> and if you're just like, ah, oh, no, that stone has hit me, you fall down, Yakata, and that's it for the next six weeks. You don't even know how to get back up. You are going for a goal and you are steadily doing it. You are increasing your strength as you go for that goal. You are, you are showing up, you are taking your tracker every day, you are doing it, and then something happens that is out of the blue. Maybe you travel, you go on holiday, and then you realize that, ah, this exercise I've been doing is gonna. You have to have a system. 
You have to know how to get yourself back on track. Don't leave it to chance. Don't wait to be inside the thing. Once you're already inside the thing, it's difficult if you don't already have a plan. Okay? So two things for spirit raisers. Celebrate every win. Document those wins, no matter how small, even if it's one point in the grand scheme of the game. And secondly, have a clearly designed plan to pick you back up when morale is low. And we have three more. The third one is cheerleaders are school ambassadors this is an interesting one so it says of the field cheerleaders meet school attendance and grade regulations as representatives of the sports team they rally to keep the seats full of enthusiastic fans etc etc so basically it's not limited to the game they don't just dance and wave things and sing songs and chants and everything and then in the school community they're they're lazy they're not doing their work or they're talking bad about the team essentially what they're saying is you will never find a cheerleader doing anything that will bring disrepute to the sports team whether it is their own personal life their attendance their punctuality to school their own grades everything they're ambassadors of the sports team so anything that's going to tarnish the image or cause disgrace to come to the sports team or impact them negatively in whatever way you will never find cheerleaders doing it and not only will you not find them doing something negative they're actively doing something positive to promote the image of the sports team outside of the actual action so what does that mean for yourself it means that you should be your own ambassador you'll be surprised how people talk about themselves, about their own goal. It is your own goal. Oh. It is your own dream. Oh. You talk to people and you say, okay, so what do you want to achieve? What do you want to do? And immediately, as soon as they tell you what they want to achieve or the desire and the dream they have for maybe their child or their marriage, in the same breath, the moment they finish saying that, they begin to rail against that thing. But you don't know, in that office, you know, it's very toxic. They only give promotions to people that look like them. They, there's this particular, they begin to basically pull down with their own mouth. You must be your own biggest ambassador. You must be a representative. Listen to what I'm saying. You must be a representative of your dream, a good representative of your dream, I should say, 24-7. Not just in prayer. So I'm talking particularly to Christians now in the place of prayer you will take the prayer request you pray it or in church they raise a prayer point you pray father in the name of Jesus amen 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 and you pray 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 but the moment you leave that quote unquote spiritual space where you've proclaimed and you said good things about that dream about that promise the moment you step out, you start saying negative things. That is like a cheerleader, cheering, 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 jumping high, doing chants in the game. And then as soon as the cheerleader walks out, goes and spray paints the Seahawks, they suck. Suck in American language is that terrible. And obviously I've just generated <laughs> some random because there's always animals like seahawks sea or a tiger something or lion something. So the cheerleader now come, they're still in their uniform. Oh. They get spray paint and go and spray that all over the school. Will the person be allowed to become a cheerleader again? They'll fire them now. So how can you only say good things about your goal or your dream either only when things are going well or you are in a quote-unquote spiritual space but 90% of the time that you spend outside of that spiritual space you are against your own dream or yourself. 
or yourself. You can't do that. You have to be an ambassador. An ambassador is 100% a representative for the country that they've been sent to represent for the good. So an, an ambassador starts to tarnish the image of the country before you know it, they've recalled that ambassador. Like it's also you want to disgrace. No, be coming home, be coming home. Do you see what I mean? So that's so important. Demonstrate pride and gratitude for who you are and who you are becoming. This is so important. So obviously, practically, this means that fight for your goals. Speak well about yourself. Speak well about your dreams. Speak well about you know, the progress you're making. You, Of course, you may not be there yet. That's okay. Say, yes, yeah, so I know that this is what I said, that I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve this. And I'm only 2% there. It doesn't matter. I'm making progress. I'm making progress. It's going to be better. Tomorrow will be better. Yes, I know I fell down today and I failed, but I know tomorrow is going to be that kind of person. Speak about your goals, about yourself, about your image in a very positive light in all situations. If you catch yourself sort of agreeing with what the environment is saying, Catch yourself again and wake up and say, ah, no, no, actually, that's wrong. I know, I know I just said that the challenges are too overwhelming and I can't overcome the challenges. I was wrong. No, this is actually the truth. The truth is, after a while, all these challenges will just disappear. And I know that because I keep making progress, I'm going to get there one day. This is how you are an ambassador of your own success and of your own prosperity as the cheerleaders are. The next one is cheerleaders are athletes so you think it's easy for them to be doing all those the jumpy jumpy they're fit these guys are fit and they train so how do i link that to your own life one second let me just read to you what it says on that website cheerleaders have to be in top physical shape to perform their stunts and maintain their endurance throughout the game they have to lift people up and it requires strength and a certain mentality. So they don't just show up and expect to be able to pick up the morale when it's low. You have to have the strength to be able to do that. And what does this mean for you? It means you must cultivate and continue to cultivate spiritual and emotional strength emotional strength you remember when the morale is with their spirit raisers so they'll start doing all these things just to make people laugh and bring joy back into the space it takes strength to be able to do that the bible says that if you faint in the day of adversity it is not the size of the adversity or the obstacle it is because your strength is small so if you find that you're always abandoning goals and you're not being a good ambassador of your goals or of your own peace and prosperity, it's because your strength is small. You're trying to be able to ward off this huge spirit of depression or fear or anxiety that wants to sit upon your mind. But there's no spiritual strength to be able to say, get out in the name of Jesus. I refuse for God has not given me a spirit of fear. There's no strength to be able to do that, whether spiritual or emotional. So you must cultivate it and it goes back to how do you start your day? Do you feed on the word of God? Do you find yourself always in the place of prayer as a habit? Prayer that is not a habit is useless prayer. You can quote me anywhere. If you only pray every once in a while, every now and then, and it's not a habit, it is not doing you any good. It is not. 
Because what prayer is supposed to do is a consistent exchange of your thoughts for the thoughts of God. That's what prayer is. Because it says that I could not do any miracles in there because of their unbelief. Meaning Jesus was ready with the power. He's always ready with the power. The power is not the problem. It is us and our ability to receive the power that is the problem. So prayer is you consistently going into the presence of God. Rubbing mind to the creator and the possessor of the heavens and the earth. And as you do that, God is digging down, removing the stones in your heart. Removing the weeds and the obstacles. And planting his own thoughts into you. To the point where he get to the stage where you literally show up to a mountain and you are as God as you speak to that mountain and that mountain begins to skip like a ram. Do you see? But if you only show up every now and then and you don't take your prayer life seriously, then your strength is going to be small. Then you're constantly going to find yourself in a place where you lack the cheer. You're, you're not cheerful. <laughs> And the joy is missing, the peace is missing, and what is there? Stress, anxiety, fear, worry, a lack of possibilities, just distorted view of life. So you must cultivate that. You read books, you exercise yourself. In the, you literally put yourself in situations where you have to build up your emotional muscles. So you know that you always fly off the handle if somebody says something to you a certain way. So you say, ah, this is not good. My emotional strength in this thing, this anger. Do you know anger, you know, just rage. It's an example, it's an indication of small emotional strength. The person does not have the strength to be able to say, to calm down, think about it, give themselves space and then respond. So you say, ah, emotional strength. So when you put yourself deliberately in that situation or when you find yourself in that situation, you say, you imagine it in advance and say, instead, this is what I'm going to do. And by doing that, you're literally, it's like going to the gym. You're building your emotional muscles to build strength into them. So it's necessary. And the last one, I love this one. Cheerleaders are entertainers. So cheerleaders build enthusiasm during pep rallies, pre-game build-up, game day activities, etc. Their stunts, their tumbling, their pyramids, their chants. They lead the student fan zone, the alumni, the parents to achieve optimum school spirit. So they entertain. They want people to be laughing and basically connecting people together. Look at all the different, um, the strata of people, the layers of people that are connecting together. The alumni, the student fans, the parents, the team itself. They're linking everybody together, meaning they're creating a social community. The social community. And what do I mean by that? How does that relate to you in terms of becoming your own greatest cheerleader? You must have a social life. You must have a social life. Loneliness is one of the greatest feeders of depression. Loneliness, of worry, of anxiety. If someone is lonely, I mean, ah. Loneliness is, is, is a, I mean, it, it can, it, it, it will get the person to the point where they, ca- they can even feel like they're not good. That, as in, that they, their life is not worth much. This is how loneliness plays on the mind. So loneliness can be a potent force or weapon that Satan can use to distort somebody's image of themselves and of the world. Don't find yourself or don't, if you find yourself there, don't stay 
in a place where you are lonely, get out and connect. Connect. Have a carefully planned social calendar. And I know that COVID didn't help. I mean, the way technology was already going, where people were interacting more and more online as opposed to in person. But then COVID now sort of dialed that up a million times. Thank God things are opening up again. And I personally, I'm making every effort to get out there and interact with human beings. Because the kind of work that I do, I can literally only ever see my family day in, day out. Except when I go to church. And even church. You could say, okay, I'm watching online. Those things, ah, it can play tricks on the mind though. Honestly, it can because you, you just, you just have this sense of, oh, is it just, oh, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. So personally, I make every effort and I go, I meet with people. I am the one, miss that is an introvert. That before, if somebody would even contact me, I say, do you want to hang out? Let's go for lunch. I'll be dodging and dodging. It's me now that is chasing people. I say, do you want to go for lunch? Do you want to go for brunch? Because uh -uh, I realized that this I'm by myself, I'm by myself, I'm by myself thing is not healthy. It's the greatest killer of joy, loneliness loneliness so have a social calendar have an entertainment calendar that involves other human beings increase your social connections your social networks not networking for oh, i want to exchange cards so that you can help me get a promotion just to enjoy people join clubs reach out to people have a schedule of events where you are regularly meeting up with people this is so important it is so important because if you allow yourself to get into that place where it is just you, you become insular. And the more you go into yourself, the bigger the world out there would look to you in terms of the obstacles. Yeah. So I hope that helped you. <laughs> I've given you one, two, three, four, five very practical strategies that you can deploy in becoming your own greatest cheerleader. Another reminder that we have one more brand new episode coming up next week, which is episode 150. And after that, we're going to take a break from the podcast. If you'd like us to publish older episodes as spotlights in that time, please send me a message at contact at allowmebrigway.com, which is email or a DM on Instagram at allowmebrigway. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to presenting you with another episode next week. Until then, this is Allow Me. Bye.